Why don't we get straight to it? You're listening to X-Ray. I'm Jefferson Smith, and it is time for News with My Dad. Pop, you there? I am here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I, I was waiting for the music, and I didn't hear any music. Go ahead, Pop. This is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout-out? I do, indeed, have two shout-outs. First, I want to shout-out for Olivia Troy. I think that's the way she pronounces her name. It could be Troy, yeah. The staffer on Mike Pence's staff who decided she could no longer remain silent about the awful stuff that is happening on the other side of the White House and resigned and said she's going to be supporting Biden because Trump doesn't care about anybody but Trump. Surprise, surprise, but real courage for her. And then I want to shout out for Lucas Cooper. Lucas Cooper is the police chief of Alexandria, Virginia, a town of about 10,000 people. And the reason I'm shouting out for him is because four years ago, the then chief of the force, Mike Wood, decided to bring on a couple of social workers. As he said, it is indispensable. And I'm shouting out for Lucas Cooper because he sets the standard for a police person who can learn and make things better. Great for him. And then before we dive into the news, the big news, of course, is RBG. And I'm aware that we could talk all morning about RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but... But I keep thinking that one of the responsibilities of this program is to bring important news to people about which they may not be aware. And everybody is, of course, aware of the passing of RBG. But I also have to say, it has affected me so much. When I learned the news, I just started to sob. It is just so sad. That is a good place to start, or maybe a horrible place to start, but just as Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as people well know now, died Friday at the age of 87. Uh, Dad, any reflection? I think people have had, there was a vigil uh, this weekend. There are people who've had a chance to mourn, uh, but as so much of the clarion call has risen, there is a call for democracy, not only a call for uh, mourning, uh, but any reflections before we move into the dynamics of this, what this might mean for the Supreme Court, what this might mean for decision-making uh, in Article 2 of the Constitution. Uh, any thoughts about Ruth Bader Ginsburg before we also talk about the institution of the court? Well, she was, she was just such an amazing combination of brains and moxie and perseverance and courage and humor really really quite amazing and of course she made one really big mistake and that was a mistake but by a lot of people she was sure that Hillary Clinton was going to be elected and so she figured she had four more years before she retired and she was wrong and we're now involved in in the dispute as to whether or not there are any senators any senators on the Republican side of the aisle who are not going to be the ultimate hypocrites in saying, oh, we've got to replace her because we can, in the, and all of whom said that we certainly mustn't, mustn't replace Scalia because we can't. In 1971, she was instrumental in extending equal protection laws of the 14th Amendment, securing rights for Americans regardless of sex. In 1972, she brought a case to the Supreme Court that led laws which prevented pregnancy-based discrimination, along with a long list of other accomplishments. Her role in the Title VII hearings discredited the use of pseudoscience that justified discriminatory practices. She did say to her granddaughter, my most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. So, Dad, let us talk about those dynamics. 
Uh, well, I, actually, before we do that, I, I want to respond to the thing you said. Of course it is. Uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg was her right to decide when her lifetime appointment would end. I do find her as an example of the difference between Democrats and Republicans and how the court has been treated. She was... Uh, she was nominated to the court, apparently at the suggestion of Hillary Clinton to Bill Clinton, based in significant part on the fact that she had, like Thurgood Marshall, that has, she has been compared to, uh, already legendary status in legal circles. She was already... She, 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 she'd been before the court six times and won five of them. She was already a uh, an icon of civil rights uh, jurisprudence before being on the Supreme Court. And... It's similar to how, similar to the old line, in fact, I'll use a Bill Clinton line, that uh, Republicans fall in line and Democrats fall in love, that her appointment was one of selecting a qualified Supreme Court justice, yes. But if you compare two Republicans, but also an act of nominating someone who was beloved in important, some important circles, if you compare Republican nominees over certainly since Reagan, they're all kids in relative terms. As you, if you look at ages among federal judges, they've all been in their forties. They've all been kids. Maybe had a couple in their fifties, but they've all been kids. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was not appointed as a particularly young judge. The and when she ended, if you compare Justice Kennedy, Justice Kennedy stepped down. Uh, some would say, and now there's new Deutsche Bank uh, news today, but some would say maybe with some pressure from his own son, but uh, stepped down early in Donald Trump's term so that Trump could fill that seat. And as you pointed out, Ruth Bader Ginsburg did not step down shortly after the reelection of Barack Obama when there would have been plenty of time to, when there would have been a, a U.S. Senate and plenty of time to confirm a replacement. Uh, instead, she hoped that she could wait it out. And that is, and I think that difference, not just focusing on uh, the, the hero that was Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but on that dynamic and the different way that the uh, jostling governing movements in this country have treated the Supreme Court is now in high relief. Bob, is it, one of the things it feels like now is that one of the things, that whatever happens now, we're going to talk about what happens now. And if people have their reflections on Ruth Bader Ginsburg, if you want to mourn, if you want to praise, if you want to ask questions, heck, if you want to critique something, you can text at 971-220-5979. It's 971-220-5979. You can save that number in your phone, and then you can text us quickly if I screw something up. Uh, but Pop, one of the dynamics, it seems to me, is it seems like a lot more progressive folks are prioritizing the court now than were 10 years ago. Yes. Yes, there, there were so many Republicans who four years ago held their nose, acknowledged, acknowledged what an awful human being DDT is and was and will be, but said they had to support him because of the court. And, and they were quite open about it. They did it because because of the ability to to break the logjam that Mitch McConnell had created against the appointment of judges at the district and circuit level by the president Obama. And when that logjam would be broken, all the judges that DDT could appoint, and boy, he has appointed some doozies. Did you have any hope, Dad, as we know, towards the end of Barack Obama's term, 270 days before the election, not 47 days, uh, Senate Republicans Mitch McConnell refused to vote on filling Justice Antonin Scalia's seat on the Supreme Court, blocking Merrick Garland for the remainder of his term. Republican senators argued. Lindsey Graham argued fervently and said, you can hold my words against me. He said it twice. You can hold my words against me. He said again in 2016. He said again in 2018. Uh, that Mitch McConnell said you should not fill a seat in the last year of a presidential election. Last year of a presidential term in the same year as presidential election. Now we're 44 days before the election. Did you have any glimmer of a hope at, at the moment? It didn't take long before Mitch McConnell made his statement. But as soon as you heard the news, did you have any hope that Mitch McConnell in 2020 would listen to Mitch McConnell or Lindsey Graham of 2016? Of course not. 
Of course not. I have I have absolutely no illusions that Mitch McConnell is motivated in the core of his soul by honesty or care for the country. The Mitch McConnell is all about power. The refusal to consider Obama's appointment of Garland was clearly just an exercise of raw power, and this is also an exercise of raw power, and that's what he's all about. And there is a place I want to dis- that I want to agree with you. There is a risk that our jaundiced partisan eye can motivate our jaundiced partisan brains into thinking in terms, into evaluating people based on disrespect, dislike, or disagreement. But let us set that aside and just evaluate Mitch McConnell, not for good or for ill, but who he is. And the way to understand Mitch McConnell is he is a shark. He is, if you look at a great white shark, a great white shark is built for a particular thing. They are built to eat. And so, they don't, so if you put something in front of them that is tasty to eat, they will not make a decision about whether or not they should eat that particular thing. They will not think about its healthiness. They will not think about whether or not it's a nice thing to do. They won't think about whether they're going to be hungry in two days and they'd like to hold that thing on for later. That animal is built to eat. That is what it will do. Mitch McConnell is a shark, and what he is built to do is wield and build power. Now, move to the Republican Party. Dad, did you have any hope that Lindsey Graham, who said multiple times, and I should have pulled a quote, I should have pulled a clip, Lindsey Graham said multiple times, you can hold my words against me. If there's a Republican, Republican president, he said it in 2018. He didn't just say it when Obama was president. He said it in 2018. You can hold my word against me, he said in 2016. If there is a Republican president and it's the last year and it's close to a presidential election and they uh, and, and we have a vacancy in the Supreme Court, we should wait until after the election. Did you have any hope that Lindsey Graham of 2020 would listen to Lindsey Graham of 2016 or 2018? You have to understand that this is the man who five years ago described DDT in some of the most critical language that anybody described him, and who is now DDT's lick spittle. And knowing that, no, I confess, I did not have a lot of hope. I didn't either. I, I, I wish I had hope. I did not have hope, and I did not even have much of a wish, but I wish I had hope. Okay, and it was a. Uh, it, I was hoping at least, well, maybe because he is in a contested election, he is somebody who, at least when, uh, at least when uh, John McCain was alive, professed to be an institutionalist, to care about the institution of the U.S. Senate, to care about integrity, to care about. If you say the words, hold my words against me, that is about. That is about as close to a U.S. Senate pinky swear as you can get. Okay, it's about as is about as close to like being a blood brother in the back in the day. Oh, I'll prick my finger and you do yours, and we'll you know as as close to a spit shake as you can get in the U.S. Senate. And if you can't trust Lindsey Graham on that, what you only can trust him to do is follow the leader of the Senate and follow the Republican Party. Now his reelection, I have to imagine the dynamics of his reelection. Are, would drive him to do this. That, in fact, if my guess is in his state of South Carolina, a majority of them, similar to what we saw in Alabama, uh, similar, I think, what Doug Jones is going to be dealing with, you have a majority of folks, even if they don't like Trump, even if they think he's not a great guy, who will want to see a conservative put on the bench. So I do think his reelection politics, not his institutional politics, not his relationships with Democrats, not his time if he ever wants to call upon moral authority in the Senate and say, hey, listen, I know we disagree, but we need to do blank because it's the right thing to do. I think he has set aside the ability to say those words. But that also, it didn't surprise me at all. I didn't think he had a choice because I think the cat's compromised. I, I think that at this point he is, uh, at this point, I think you just can't, you just know that he has to follow the Trump line because it, you said, well, if he was willing to change his mind on that, he's willing to change his mind on this. I think he had to. I think the cat is compromised. But let me ask you another question. Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski have both more, more recently said that they believe that there should be waiting. Uh, do you have any hope that there will be four and it will take four Republican senators who will say that they that 
there should not be a filled seat by Donald Trump in the last 40 days prior to an election or in the last few months of his presidency. Do you have any hope that they will wait? I have some mild hope on that. I think there is there is a, a slight, slight chance that Lamar Alexander, who is retiring and therefore doesn't have to worry about re-election, and Mitt Romney, who does not have to worry about re-election because he's not up for a couple more years anyway, and uh, and is old enough, <laughs> old enough that he might decide not to run again, that there is a chance that they might but I am not holding my breath. Here, here's the problem that I see, is that now. Oh, and by the way, I don't, I don't, I don't really count a whole lot on the lady from Maine either, because as as she, the best description I know of her was the one by then majority leader Reed, who said she's always a good vote when you don't need her. Yeah. And here is why my hope is limited and, and almost non-existent about whether there will be enough Senate Republicans to block uh, or, yeah, essentially to block a Donald Trump appointment, because this is the raison d'etre. And, and I'm not comparing this to be clear to the Nazi party, but I remember my professor at UCLA, I went to UCLA for just to do some, essentially, I was pre-back, but sort of equivalent post-back work. Uh, and I studied totalitarian regimes. And Tomas Ungvari, who was described to me by a Hungarian student who was, uh, who was auditing the class, and I said, why are you auditing this class? He said, well, you must understand. Tomas Ungvari is number three most brilliant man in Hungary. And Tomas Ungvari said that it, it explained that at the end, of, towards the end of World War II, when the uh, Reich needed to be pushing all of its forces to the front, was still using it so that it needed to be resupplying uh, its forces at the front, was still using its trains to ship human beings uh, to their death. Uh, to uh, to participate in genocide rather than trying to win the war, even as it was going to cost him the regime, even though it was going to cost him his own power and his own life. He was still engaging in genocide. And and the way Tomas Ungvari explained it was because this was the raison d'etre. This was the purpose of the movement. The purpose of the movement was to win some war. The purpose of the movement was this racial cleansing, was this uh, this this effort to destroy European Jewry. And at this point, the, as, as Nancy McLean pointed out in her seminal text, Democracy in Chains, the raison d'etre, the purpose of the right wing has been to fill the judiciary because that is how you put democracy in chain. That is how you make sure that mass movements, the democracy itself, that support for the natural environment, that support for middle class, that support for democracy itself, that those things cannot overcome unfettered power of concentrated power and wealth. And that if you own the court, as was learned by this country during the Lochner era, even if you elect FDR, you still can have a court that will overturn anything that FDR does until there is a stitch in the nine, a switch in the nine that switch in time, excuse me, that saved the nine. Until there was a flip of one of those Supreme Court justices, it really was the only thing that kept uh, FDR and his allies from expanding the court from nine to twelve. That was the big lesson of history. Prior to FDR's, uh, prior to the flip of that, the lesson of history was that if you had a super conservative Supreme Court, it didn't matter where the people were. It didn't matter what had to happen with the economy. It didn't matter who was in the presidency. It didn't matter who was in Congress. The only thing that mattered was that raw power and people's willingness to listen to the power of the U.S. Senate. Now, Dad, how do you, and, and so right now, I think that there will be so much pressure on every bank shot you can imagine, so much pressure on every Republican senator to say, what well, you don't understand. This is why you're here. The only reason you're here is to, more than any of those other things, the only reason you're here is to say yes when we name Amy Barrett to the Supreme Court. The only reason you're here is to say yes when we name Barbara Legault to the Supreme Court. She is the, she is the, the Florida 11th Circuit 
judge who may be appointed. That's the only reason you're here. And if you don't do that, not only do you not to get come back here, but you're not going to play any of the reindeer games, and we're not going to give you a revolving door job after the fact. Bob, it is hard for me to imagine Republic, four Republicans. Lamar Alexander's already said he's not one of them. Already Lindsey Graham has said, you can hold my words against me. Well, I don't, I don't care about my words at this point. Lindsey Graham of 2020 isn't listening to Lindsey Graham of 2016 or 2018. We already know that. It is hard for me to imagine Republicans standing up to that kind of pressure because at this point, their entire party is that great white shark. And that great white shark's purpose is power. And they are wishing for more and desiring for more power. And they will eat more power. And the way you do that is the Supreme Court. That is their raison d'etre. That is their number one purpose i'm afraid you're right i didn't know that lamar had made an announcement i'm just sorry to hear that it just i think it was just yesterday i just saw it well dads let me play out so let's imagine now that our fears and not only our fears but our thoughts our predictions our impressions our analysis is right that the republicans do move much more quickly than the average much more quickly. I mean, it's they're going to have to break a record almost to try to get this done, and uh, and almost certainly, unless they really break a record, they're not going to be they're not going to be able to do it before the election. They might be able to do it before Donald Trump, before the next president is sworn in, or whether this president is sworn in again. How do you see it playing out? If in fact, I want to take a break. I want to take a break, and so I so you can gather your thoughts on this one because I don't want to put you. In the, um, I don't want to put you on the spot. I want to give you some time to think about this. But how do you think this plays out if, in fact, it plays out like that? Let's say, okay, Trump does nominate Amy Barrett or Barbara Lagoa, maybe somebody else, to the Supreme Court. It is rushed through, almost certainly rushed through, not in time for the election, but rushed through before there is a new president who is impaneled, before they are sworn in. And then what do you think happens next? What do you think happens to the court? What You can think in terms of decisions, or what do you think happens to what is done to the court, either by the court or to the court? And we will play, as soon as I shut up, was just going to be a moment, let's play a clip from Lindsey Graham, the one I cited, so you know I'm not just making it up. I want you to use my words against me. If there's a Republican president in 2016 and a vacancy occurs in the last year of the first term, you can say... Lindsey Graham said, let's let the next president, who it, whoever it might be, make that nomination. And you could use my words against me. Well, Bob, what do you think happens if it plays out the way not only we fear, but expect it to? And it could change. But what? how do you think it plays out? <laughs> well, uh, um, I am not going to make any prediction because with any prediction I would make would be so colored by what I think is the thing that ought to happen. Because the thing that ought to happen is, first the thing that ought to happen is that there would be enough Republican senators, and all we need is four, to say, no, we shouldn't have a vote. Uh, just, just should wait. But because I think that that is not likely, then the thing that ought to happen is that there ought to be a whole bunch of Republicans who get tossed out on their ear because of the hypocrisy and the dishonesty. And also, also because I think everybody on, everybody paying attention is going to recognize that the biggest thing this is all about is Roe v. Wade. And if DDT can appoint a woman who is opposed, who wants to overturn Roe v. Wade, either exactly or by the continued 1,000 cuts that diminish it, diminish it, diminish it until it exists only in name, that, uh, that there are enough people in the United States who recognize that the issue of Roe v. Wade is not whether or not abortion is a sin, not whether or not abortion is right or wrong. The issue is whether or not it should be a crime, or it can be a crime, not even should, but can be a crime, and if so, at what point in a woman's pregnancy is it okay for it to be made a crime? That is the issue. And 
And Roe v. Wade, in my judgment, got it right. And uh, that's that's what it's going to be all about. I want to give something else it's about. And Joe Biden, in his most recent, among his most recent comments, made this. I think it's also about health care. And that right now, before this court, and might even wait until if they ramrod it through, and Donald Trump may well make his appointment this week, that if they, because, and again, again, there was no chance that Donald Trump waited on this, no chance that he didn't, uh, that he would listen to Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham in 2016, no chance, because you know, the Christian conservatives are supporting this guy, aren't doing it because they have so much illusion. This guy is some model of Christian purity, but it's functional and they want to they want to install his judge. They want or more accurately, they want him to install their judge. But health care is also up. Health care could well be before even this new justice. And that means that if there are and that and that could mean throwing millions of people in the United States off their health benefits. That being an election, that is the election issue. Okay, it wasn't it wasn't some pronouncement by Bernie Sanders or Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. It was the issue in 2018 that flipped the U.S. House, and I believe it will be and could be the issue that gets the kind of electoral victory in 2020. Could be the kind of thing that gets the kind of electoral victory that changes the math in the U.S. Senate and really starts. A shift Now, before I get into that, because I want to talk what happens after 2020, I really want to tease this out because, you know, a bunch of this stuff, you know, lamenting McConnell, lamenting Lindsey Graham, obviously a bunch of that stuff people have talked about. But I want to go even further than that to see how to actually play this out, because obviously I've been thought about think I've been thinking about this a lot, that there is a little bit of a chance still. OK, so so if it takes a little while and even if they can just get up to three. And if Mark Kelly can win in Arizona and if there is a chance that Mark Kelly gets sworn in because he doesn't have to wait. They don't have to wait till January. Yeah, that's right. And and constitutionally, they almost have to swear him in. The only that Mitch McConnell, again, I I don't know if there's a rule that allows him to say, well, we're just not going to have a session that allows him to to go in because I don't think it's Mitch McConnell's. uh, I I don't think that's his job is to decide who gets to sit there. If Mark, if Mark Kelly is able to win in November and gets to be installed prior, then they might only need three. Again, they need four because they've got the vice presidency. And they'll have the vice presidency until the new vice president is sworn in. So that's why four. But if Mark Kelly wins, and right now he's way up in Arizona, it's only three. So there is still some chance. I don't want to dash people's hopes. But I do, and right now, there are, there's also a chance that maybe somebody like Cory Gardner, don't bet on it, uh, maybe somebody, Lindsey Graham has already made his pronouncement, uh, maybe somebody is persuaded by the risk that because last poll I saw, it'll change as soon as Fox News starts doing its work. But last thing I saw was 62% of Americans think that uh, the appointment should wait until after the presidential election. The... Uh, that it's a just a sec uh, that there that there is some chance that you could put enough pressure on somebody who is uh, you know up for re-election that they might balk. Uh, it says I think you're right, Jefferson. What do you think is our best path to deal with the situation? What can we do? I think our uh, I think our best thing to do the people who want to do something different here their best thing to do is focus on those swing uh, U.S. Senate races. Those U.S. Senate race heck, including Jody Ernst, either because it puts pressure on people like Cory Gardner or Tom Tillis in uh, South Carolina and in Colorado in reverse order. And it might do that. They really start saying that there's 90 million dollars that was raised on Act Blue in a day one day period, just breaking every single record uh, that this kind of energy could sweep away Republican members of the U.S. Senate. Maybe that gives them some pause. Maybe they stand up and say, listen, we're not just the Trump party. We're not even just the McConnell McConnell party. We're a Republican party, a party that has a proud tradition. Might have been some years ago, but has a proud tradition of standing up for this country. We're going to do what's right. Maybe there's a little bit of a chance. But ultimately, I think that if my analysis and fears have more weight than my hopes, that what happens is that will matter is after the election. And, Dad, I think at that point, 
Right? Well, let me put it in the form of a question so I don't just filibuster here. At that point, what do you think ought to happen with the Supreme Court? What do you? Th- I, I, I would welcome uh, predictions. What do you think will happen? Do you think there is a strong move to expand the court to twelve? And do you think that is? And do you think the filibuster survives? Well, if the, they should not try to expand it to twelve, they should only try to expand it to eleven. Because I, I believe that you really do need an odd number on the court to minimize the likelihood of circuit courts actually ultimately making the final laws in the country because you have loggerheads at the Supreme Court, tie votes, simply confirm, affirm the ruling of the district or federal court that comes before it. Yeah, I still, I'll still take 12. I like 12. It's the number of, of apostles. It's a number of months. It's the number of, well, it's half the number. It's the number of hours on a clock. I think 12 is a nice number. And it's the number, number of times you should shake your hands. <laughs> exactly. After you wash them. Some texts in from Marcy. I heard a Republican say the reason it is not hypocrisy now to fill the seat. Thank you, Marcy. We needed to say this because these are their mental Olympics. And that I'm borrowing that term from Crystal. Uh, the principle does not count when the Senate and president agree, which was not the case in 2016. So they're saying, no, no, no. What, what we're saying 20, in 2016 was we don't have to fill the seat if it's a political, if it's a president of a different political party. If it's a president of the same political party, we do have to fill the seat. So that's what they're saying the principle was now. Heritage Foundation doing some great mental Olympics. This text from Crystal saying it was only because Obama was in the second term. They shouldn't appoint his justices. Seems the religious right lies an awful lot. Here's another text from Karen. Karen G., I think you're right. Jefferson, what do you think is our best plan to deal with the situation? What can we do? That was, I was starting to answer. I think it does start with those U.S. Senate seats. I think it starts with all your friends and neighbors. I think this is one to, to just, I think this is one to announce to the rafters, to emit the barbaric yawp, to communicate to all the family members, to go on social media more than you normally do. I think this is what, because, because there is a principle here, and it's not only, well, should you appoint a justice in the last year? It is what should the Supreme Court stand for? And should the Supreme Court stand for democracy? That's the fight. The fight is not just who should appoint a Supreme Court justice. Right now, what the move is, the move, the, the Mitch McConnell move, the, uh, the, right, the, the Koch brothers move, is to fill the court with such fire breathers that even when it becomes so clear, even when a supermajority of the country, even when Fox News can't hold the brick wall, hold the red wall together to say that climate change isn't real, when every summer we are having weather catastrophes, every winter we're having weather catastrophes, and we realize we have to do something around climate change, that even when a supermajority of the people say hey, we got to do something, that you can still have a Supreme Court that says, nope, Congress doesn't have the power to. Uh, initiate environmental laws that when you finally have an American people that looks past Fox News and says, wait a minute, we have bigger wealth disparities than we've had in 100 years. We have to do something about that. This is not you can't have a democracy if you have wealth disparities like that. Uh, We've got to do something to make sure there is true equality of opportunity in this country. You'll have a Supreme Court that says, nope, property has primacy over people. Property has primacy over democracy that that is the game that this is the thing to go loud about this is the thing to communicate this is the thing it, it, people protesting ice people protesting local police if you want to look at the long-term health of this country protesting the supreme court protesting what the supreme court should stand for protesting in favor of democracy itself that is the fight that is the thing from which there should be no distraction so what should we do it is that it is to make sure that there is a political price to pay that there is rhetorical price to pay for building a supreme court that is contrary to democracy building a supreme court that is trying to prop up plutocracy that is the thing that is worth fighting for more than just about anything else that's the fight they've been waging for 40 years and only now are more and more people waking up to it so you have to help people wake up to it in my mind that is the way i speak only for myself i don't speak for this station i don't speak for you but i speak for myself and that's what i think and i'm answering karen g's question and thank you karen for answering it now it goes further it goes further than that Here's a text in. Uh, here are the here are the uh, U.S. Senate seats: uh, Hickenlooper in Colorado, in Maine, Gideon, uh, Kelly in Arizona, 
Cunningham in North Carolina, Greenfield in Iowa, Harrison in South Carolina, Bullock in Montana. I will say them again. This text from Joe Pesci. Uh, it is Hickenlooper in Colorado, Gideon in Maine, Kelly in Arizona, Cunningham in North Carolina, Greenfield in Iowa, Harrison in South Carolina, and Bullock in Montana. And uh, and thank you for that text because it goes further. I am now in favor of expanding the court. And I think if this happens, you're going to have majority of the people who will back up a President Biden who signed such a bill and a uh, and a majority leader, Chuck Schumer, who puts forth such a bill to expand the Supreme Court from nine to 11 or nine to 13 or nine to 12. I don't think we go for a lucky number 13. I think there will be I think that does become the next move and it does become the move. There'll be a filibuster to block it and they'll have to end the filibuster and they'll also have to end the filibuster to uh, to prop up health care. I think that this happens and it has to be a reawakening of the American people and it has to push us in a politics will start happening vastly differently. I'm going to play it out further, folks, but here's a challenge. Now, if there had been if Fox News has been the trump card. If there hadn't been Fox News right now, Donald Trump would be down at 20 percent approval and you'd have the kind of landslides that FDR got. If you didn't have so much wealth already disparate, so much wealth already propping up the Supreme uh, Court, Supreme Court. That was funny. Freudian slip propping up the the Dow, propping up the, the stock market is the word I was looking for. I think you'd already have a cacophony uh, all across the country that it was multipartisan. But I do think that it's going to be hard for the next president if the president is Democrat. The Republicans will have, as they raise on debtor, to defeat him, as McConnell's was to defeat Obama. So ultimately, I think we're going to have to re-seizing, have to have a re-seizing and a redesign of democracy in this country that's going to have to start at the local level. And I think it's a 20- or 30-year fight to save democracy. We'll save that for another show. Dad, i got to turn back over to you because I have been on a soapbox this morning. <laughs> and I've got to say that on Thursday... On Thursday, I think we need to reclaim our name because uh, uh, this is not a criticism because what we've been talking. Well, I'm taking about it back, that. Pop. The last few shows, the last few shows, I, I I've gotten a word in sideways like four times, but this time I did have some stuff to say. But go go ahead, Pop. I'll turn it over to you. That's the second time you said turn it over to me when you didn't really mean. Yeah, because you were about to you were about to make. I'm in the chair. I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm Mitch McConnell right now in this U.S. Senate. <laughs> Go ahead. Dad, what do you want to do next? As I was saying, on Thursday, we need to live up to our name, which is news, because for the last 40 minutes has not been news. It has been it has been editorializing, and I'm not resenting that, I think, because what we are talking about is so important. But I am looking at, at all of the stuff that I didn't talk about last Thursday, and all of the stuff I have to talk about today that is news, that news might be, not have been caught. And so with your permission, maybe I should just laundry list, starting out with the national stuff I couldn't talk get to Thursday and the national stuff I want to add today, with your permission. Time for the laundry list! Okay, first I want to point out to everybody that tomorrow is National Registration Day and quite relevant to what we've been talking about. If you have any friends or associates or whoever who are not registered and who are paying attention to what's going on in the country, make encourage them to get registered. Okay, laundry list on national. There are many companies giving bonuses to top executives even though the companies are taking bankruptcy. Chapter 11, Hertz. Hertz, 10,000 to to all kinds of management at pennies, at Frontier. Just really, really bad, and that's something that Congress needs to look at. The Southern Baptists, there are a lot of Southern Baptist churches who want to get rid of the word Southern and have decided to no longer call themselves Southern Baptists, but Great Commission Baptists because, of course, the fact that Southern Southern Baptists became the Southern Baptists because of their support for slavery once upon a time. The GAO, the Government Accounting Office, has said that farm aid is, is has gone quite substantially more towards supporters of DD, T, 
guarantee, especially to southern states and especially to Georgia, which just coincidentally, Georgia got two times the national average of farm aid, coincidentally because the person who has the ultimate say in where the farm aid goes, the Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, happens to be from Georgia, which is probably relevant to what we have been talking about for the last 40 minutes. Funny kind of thing, DDT had an ad showing bragging about what he's done for for the military and they had a an, a flyover of airplanes and it turns out those airplanes were Russian MiGs. Oh, those guys their incompetence just go comes everywhere. Everywhere. Have have you paid attention to the intention of Palantina Text Tech, Peter Thiel's company, to put stock on the market. Have, have, have you had any any? I have temptation? not. Well, they, they are doing that, but they're not doing an, an IPO where you where you expand the amount of stock. What they're doing is just all of the Palantine Tech top brass are putting their stock on the market so that people can buy their stock. And there might be a reason for this, and it could be because in all of its existence, up until the last, the second quarter of this year, it has never, never, ever turned a profit. And they claim that there's an operating profit in the second quarter of this year. But what that is, it's a way for all of those executives of a company that has been absolutely unsuccessful in making money to get their money out of the, the, make a big profit themselves and shuffle off. The uh, L.A. Sheriff, the Sheriff's Department, arrested Justy Huang, uh, and, and that's a case that we should talk about more, but it just demonstrates the biggest problem that law enforcement has, I think worldwide, but in this country, the biggest problem is the inability of a lot of law enforcement agencies to be honest the the, the, tent, the the temptation of folks in blue the lie that's uh, just bad the fed federal has announced that they do not expect to do any increase in interest until 2023 that is an interesting thing and then something that maybe we should talk about is is there is there any chance that there is going to be a bill to stimulate the economy again because of the loggerheads that is right now. DDT says he'd like to have one and a half trillion, which is substantially more than there's any sort of, of support for, significant support for in the Republican-controlled Senate. But an interesting thing is the problem-solving caucus, 50 members of the House, 25 Democrats and 25 Republicans, that have come out with an idea, and Nancy Pelosi has said we're going to stay in office until we get a deal. Maybe we should allow a little bit of editorializing. Do you think there's? What do you think the chances are that there will be a deal? Uh, no, I'm more interested in your thoughts. I think there is a chance. I think there is a chance, and I think maybe the biggest one would be for Nancy to say, "Okay, these bipartisan folks have got together. Let's start with that." Because, of course, the House passed a bill months ago. It's been sitting on McConnell's desk. And the Senate has not yet passed anything to send back. So somebody somebody needs to start over. So we'll have to see. Well, Dad, there is a shooter in Rochester, New York, who's left two dead and 14 injured about 1230 in the morning. Uh, shots were fired at a backyard party. Officers claim when they arrived, between 100 and 200 people were fleeing the scene. Uh, the uh, my oh, <laughs> Dad, you like this one? Uh, news, you all don't do news when you rattle off headlines. I've usually heard them before. Expanding on editorializing is why I listen to the show. I usually have to shut off the show the past couple of months as when I if I hear nothing new. Uh, I love uh, I loved uh, Joe's historical Oregon perspective and Jer Jefferson's current political analysis. Uh, don't love the list as much. 
All right. Uh, while, <laughs> while Jefferson whimpers and tries to get a word in. Anyway, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the text. The text said, there are, co- there are a couple couple little harsher words that I, that, I, that I left out of there, but I appreciate the text. 971-220-5979. 971-220-5979. I do agree. As we have our production meetings on the air, Dad, I do have to agree that I think where we add value is not our ability to be an on-air Twitter feed. I do think where we add value is our ability to connect dots and, and provide, so and provide dots, context. I got, got something that, uh, that I really do want to hear from you about because you, you will have a sophistication on the subject that I claim none of. And that's what's happening or not happening with TikTok and WeChat. Now, DDT has given TikTok a one-week reprieve to see if, if the Oracle deal satisfies the fears about China using TikTok to gain insight into individuals' personal lives. WeChat, San Francisco District Judge Laurel Beeler has said, has put a TRO, that's a temporary restraining order, on the attempt by the White House to dump WeChat or dump the ability to use WeChat because of First Amendment. And, and I think it would be very useful for you to explain. Did, did you just lose me? No, you did something with your phone and got quiet. I didn't do anything with my phone. I, I, I promise, Bob. It's nothing on our end. It's the same thing okay. as before. Okay. Anyway, anyway, tell me, t- tell us what what all is. The, I haven't. I, what does TikTok and WeChat give us, and what do we lose if we lose them? And we don't lose much. The, the The question is not we'll lose technologically. Technology isn't all that hard, right? I mean, TikTok isn't doing something that another company couldn't do. Heck, they're doing something that another company did do. Uh, WeChat is a is an app that could be used. That uh, can be done. Heck, it's not too different from uh, from WhatsApp. That and there's other uh, there's other uh, technologies that can do similar things. So that's not really the more important question. I do think it's a really important question about the about economic nationalism. About to what degree will there be uh, and and national security? This is a place where I think we should set aside our jaundiced partisan eye. This is a place I think we should think about what makes the most sense because information technology, we think that information technology is not a matter of national security. Well, we didn't pay attention to the 2016 election. We didn't pay attention to the Deutsche News Bank today, that there was huge money going in, what was it, $1.7 million uh, going apparently from Putin to the British Conservative Party uh, back, uh, back not that many years ago, that the device to attack other countries now, the device to hurt enemies, that it matters more now. We're not launching nuclear bombs at each other. Heck, we're not using conventional weapons. What we are using is information weaponry. So there is a national security concern. That matters. Also, what is the primacy, what should be the primacy of locally based companies? And how do we want those rules to work? And how do we want to uh, prefer uh, U.S.-based information uh, technology companies over internationally based uh, uh, technology or other companies. Those are legit questions. We won't lose much in terms of the technology. If, if TikTok were going to go down, and I think, again, he said, well, he would just like to switch ownership and allow somebody to buy it and have it be based here. But if we're going to go down, they'd rebuild it. What you'd really lose are the networks there that have already been built up. But but we shouldn't cry on our beer about that, because if we put ourselves to the progressive era before or heck to the split up of AT&T not as long ago or even more recently, the not the antitrust division doing what the antitrust division should do as it did with. Uh, Intel and Microsoft to say, hey, listen, there's some limits to what you can do when you get big, big, big. That's why we have a Sherman Act. That's why we have a Clayton Act. That understanding that disruption to Facebook is the kind of thing that should happen. And so, so figuring out and, and at least getting cultural comfort with there being government action about disrupting uh, large social media enterprises is something that I think there should be some comfort with. So there's at least some comments. What else? What else do you think that we could add value on? Well, the uh, I, I want to talk just a little bit about what Bill Barr is doing and not doing. Bill, Bill Barr, 
Bill Barr may be, is certainly the second most dangerous and may be the most dangerous person in America right now. And the reason is not why he might be the most dangerous because he's just a heck of a lot smarter than the person who has the illusion of being his boss. He, he has stated, FBI agents work for me. Chris Ray was asked who, who FBI agents work for, and he said, well, they work for the American people. I wonder how much longer Chris Ray will last. I will predict that if DDT is reelected, Chris Ray will be gone shortly thereafter. The bar has, has told U.S. attorneys that, that it should be the appointed political appointee, not career prosecutors who decide who should who should be. Bar's DOJ is looking for ways to say that John Bolton violated the law, let us let secrets out. They're just the, the DOJ has become the patsy of the far right. Yeah, we know that. Dad, I've got to, I got to, I got to do a hard pivot to local news because we're about to do an interview. We're about to do an interview with Ashton Simpson, who's a candidate for uh, state representative in actually my old district in East Portland, running as a Working Families Party candidate against Diego Hernandez. Who we will also, of course, invite uh, the and we've got to get to this, but I got to get to a little local news. Dad, how much do you think it? Ma- are you familiar with the phrase? Are you familiar with the resume term? It's not usually on resumes. It's controversial included on a resume. Of, uh, oh, P- I'm so you're going to bring up that's yeah, ABD. Yeah, PhD, I'm so ABD. Glad because that's what I want to talk about. All right, well, go ahead. So, do you know what? The, first of all, you know what that means. You want to explain what that means? Yeah, what what it means is is except for the dis all but dissertation. Other says, I I have a PG. PhD, except I have not yet written my dissertation. And of course, until you get a dissertation and pass the oral examination on the dissertation, you do not get a PhD degree. And and candidate Ayanarone has apparently has on her voters pamphlet and maybe on other other documents also. She says that asked about her educational experience says she has a PhD dash ABD. And the folks, her supporters, have said, well, there's nothing suspicious about that. Just Google. Just Google AD, ABD, and it's clear. I did that. And I have to say, it is, you Google it, and it is not nearly that clear. It is, it, it is clear what it means. It, well, at least it was to me. But it isn't clear whether or not it should be used. And, and in her defense... She did, you, she did a whole bunch of work, completed all the coursework, and then said that b- due to her political career and her single motherhood, uh, she did, wasn't able to defend her dissertation. And, and I don't know, that means it was, it's been done, and not, I don't know what, what status it's in. The other interesting piece of this story... I have the impression that it has never been written. That'd be an assumption. The, uh, uh, my, and, and I think she's probably sensitive about it, right? Because there's a lot of, lot of work done a lot of work done that gets in. You put in three or four years of study. You know, you do want to put something on your resume. That says, hey, hey, folks, I did three or four years. I actually worked on this thing. But now Jules Bailey, former colleague in the legislature, former candidate for uh, former candidate for mayor against Sarah Anarone and against Ted Wheeler. And who, who still, I think, has a resentment against her because he thinks that she took all of his votes. That he... Uh, uh, even if he'd gotten all of her votes, there it wasn't enough to get into the it wasn't enough to get into the runoff. Uh, that he he filed a complaint. He filed a complaint and said this is it's a felony to uh, to make a have a material misstatement on your voters pamphlet statement. Dad, do you think this is material? Do you think do you think that this is uh, subject to this is g- worthy grounds for a an elections division complaint. You know, I'm afraid that it is. I'm just really? afraid that it is. Yeah, afraid that it is. Because, oh, I think we might disagree. Because, because she is she is claiming to she is putting something to give the impression to the average voter who would have no idea what ABD meant. That, that as a matter of fact, it might be an enhancement. It might be something that makes a PhD a normal PhD. Even All better. brilliant doctor. Who knows what ABD means? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. I don't know. It, it, for me, it is 
if somebody were to ask me, you know, a quiet dude in my room, did she exaggerate a little bit? Yeah, maybe. Was there another way to do it? What, and, you, I, there, there is a minor debate, as we said on the local this morning. There is a minor debate raging against among almost dozens of people about whether you should include this on a resume. But some people should. I don't think it's grounds. I think it's. I don't think it's grounds for a for a felony on on misleading voters. I don't think that. Uh, and, and because I'm not sure what she, well, let me ask this question, Dad. What should she have done? Should she have left it off? Should she have just put the words ABD with no PhD uh, so that, uh, so that I people. She, I, I think she should have just left it off. Yeah. Just, just left it off. Just don't, don't, it, uh, it, 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 it's comparable, I think, to, to saying that uh, you, you, you won, you won it. 10 lap race except for the last lap yeah it's uh what surprises me the, you, you're picking up on a different um uh you're bringing up a different piece of the story i thought it was more interesting that uh that jules actually decided to file a complaint on the thing we got a text in you're a phd candidate until you write and defend your dissertation for yes, voters PhD, pamphlet said, PhD, phd candidate would have been sensible would have been say a phd candidate uh, dissertation remaining to be to be uh, judged. Another another texter said it is misleading. Uh, she, anyway, this this other one said she would be a PhD candidate. That would be correct. What she wrote was incorrect. Uh, yeah, and and I thought about that a little bit, and that's why I think yeah, maybe it's a little bit exaggeration. But I think the uh, um, uh, and but I've seen the instinct, right? You're there, and she's hearing from people. She's hearing from people. You've got to add gravity. You you're going against somebody with a bunch of degrees who's was the state treasurer, who is an incumbent mayor. You got to have some gravity. And there's all that. There's all that pressure. And there's also and, you know, maybe I'm making excuses, but uh, there's also you have real tight. This is going to sound silly, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you it when you add to the add to the pressure, put this in mind. There are very strict word and letter limits. In the in the voters pamphlet statement, there's very limited space. You fight for that stuff. You really do. You have to. Tr you're you're like all the way down to the end. I didn't do a word count. Maybe she maybe she had words to, letters to spare. Maybe she had space to spare. But and I've worked on multiple voters pamphlet statements. And you, when you're doing it, boy, you are just fighting for every single letter. And it occurred to me because somebody I hadn't thought a PhD candidate. That's even better than what I read on on some comment thread, which said doctoral candidate. And I was like, well, doctoral candidate. Honestly, the first thing I thought of, the first thing I thought of was that's a lot of letters. There's a lot of letters to include. You'd have to throw out. You might have to throw out an endor a whole endorser's name. And what are you going to do? Include that endorser's name or that endorsing organization's name, or write down if you're a doctoral candidate. Nice thing about BHD ABD is not a lot of letters. It's not a lot of words. Uh, and I, I don't know that, that played into it, but it, I will say it occurred to me. And I am not. I am not here either to praise Caesar or bury her. Uh, so uh, another text, another text, Joe is correct. Well, there you go, Pop. So far, the masses, and by that I mean three textures, have spoken. Bob, any other? We should probably move on to Ashton Simpson. It is probably time for. Yeah, I think so. You should, you should probably, I should probably do my straw in the wind so I get out of the way. All right, Pop, let's do a straw in the wind. A straw, straw in the wind. Diane Fukuyama, the granddaughter of two Hood River farmers who were who were put in jail because they happened to have descended from Japanese ancestors, has been named the Episcopal Bishop for Oregon. No small thing, both because she's a woman and also because she is of Japanese-American ancestry. Straw in the wind and my congratulations to Diane Fukuyama. Well, Pop, we did it again. We did it again. We didn't cover a whole lot of news. Well, but I think this, I'm actually glad for that. I'm going to send you the text that was sent in because it was a little harsher than I said. And I was actually glad for it because I think that the question we should be asking and answering like, is not just how much, how many news headlines we can get out, but what value we can add. And I do think where we have an, a chance to add context and where we have a chance to add historical perspective, and that can include opinion. But where, where we actually think where we can add value, that is uh, that's where I think so go so so should our mouths go. Well, I 
I, I think that I, I would like to think that our opinions get people thinking and are therefore worthwhile. But I do think we should maintain a certain balance because I do not agree with the person who texted in that all of our listeners may know all of the stuff that we cover because we do try to cover. And and even if they do, the, we are making the point that what we cover, unless we say so otherwise, is important and people should be paying attention to. So there is actually an editorial slant simply by what we talk about. Well, and folks, if you have thoughts, if you have th- thoughts on the things that give you the most value, where you should, and I'll pass them along to Pop, and I'll, of course, read them myself. The, the, par- the pieces of what we do that are most important to you, most useful to you, let us know. The text line here is 971-220-5979. It's 971-220-5979. Uh, and we do this for you, after all. All right, Pop, I love you. Love you, too. We'll be back on Thursday.